about grace. And uh, we are going to unpack a little bit what Timothy talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, verse 1, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What is grace? The, the biblical dictionary puts it this way. The main idea of the word grace is divine, means of help or strength. Grace is an enabling power. Grace, it enables the recipient to do and to be what he or she cannot do and cannot be left on their own means. All of us need such enabling power. Why is it so important for dads and leaders to show grace? It's important uh, to learn what it means to be grace strong because until you truly experience grace in your own life, it's almost impossible to show what true grace looks like, looks like to others that need it. It is one thing to read about grace or hear about grace but it's another thing to truly give it. And, it's only, and the only way you can receive grace is by accepting Christ as your personal Savior. And you will truly understand what grace is all about. Our text that Andy pointed out, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to cover verses 1 through 7, is... The Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, who he's not just sees, but it's true that Timothy is his spiritual son. So it's very much a father talking to a son. And when he says, Timothy, be strong in the grace that we find in Christ Jesus, he's, he's now going to give Timothy and give us, give me, give us, some pictures that help us understand what it looks like to live in grace. And this applies to all of us. If you're not a father this morning, I'm glad you're here because this is God's word and it applies to all of us. But this morning as we celebrate fatherhood, I want us to note, take notice that there is a, a particular direct line from the Holy Spirit to men. You may be a father, you may not yet be a father, you might be a biological father, you might be a spiritual father. But there's a direct line from God to men in the words that Paul gives Timothy, the Holy Spirit gives us. And so he's going to give us these four, these four pictures. And the first one is found in verse 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This, this idea of being entrusted with something... To whom much is given, much is required, has the responsibility then of passing that on to someone else. And we're going we're gonna to call this the mentor. The first picture is the mentor. And if you're a father or you're, you want to be a father one day, I want you to, to connect with these four pictures. The first one being a mentor. The, the, the picture of someone who has been given truth, someone who has been given something by God, that then has a responsibility to pass on to others. So if you are a dad, that's where we should be thinking, right? That's where we should start. You have, you're a dad, your kids are at home, your kids are young, your kids are teenagers, we pray for you, um, or your kids are grown up, 
and they're adults, you're still a father. And, and I think it's legitimate for us to take from our text this morning, these four pictures, that they don't ever end. Would you agree that God continues, like me, that he continues to give me, he continues to pour into my life, he continues to shape me and grow me and conform me to the image of Christ? To live in grace as a dad, as a man, means to step into, I'm willing to step into this responsibility of being a mentor. And taking what God has shared with me, poured into me, what you've heard from me, Paul talking to Timothy. Now, where we start there is, that's the, that's the truth of God's word. That's the apostles' teaching, right? What Paul encountered on the road to Damascus and what he, what he had learned from Jesus, he passed on. Everything that he had discovered in the Old Testament about who Jesus was, the Messiah, what he had done, what he, he came and what he had done, he passed on to Timothy. He discipled Timothy. He mentored him. But it also, in the presence of many witnesses, that phrase has the idea. He says, Timothy, the things that I've, you've, you've seen in me, but you've seen them more than just heard them, you've seen them in me in real life circumstances, in living of life. Timothy had experienced Paul doing ministry, Paul confronting, Paul encouraging, Paul dealing with hardship and persecution. He had seen what Paul had passed on to him. He had seen Paul live it out in his life. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a father. That sounds like a father who is present, that is taking what God pours into him, that we're, uh, Andy's point, the grace, we have to receive it. We receive it, and then what we receive, we pass on to those that we have accepted the responsibility to disciple, to mentor. Discipleship begins at home. That was terrible. Thank you, Jim. Discipleship begins at home. Moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandparents, church family, discipleship begins at home. And the picture that Paul gives us first in living out grace is this idea of being a mentor. The one, the father who is willing to engage his family, engage his children with the discipleship process. The father who communicates and lives out to his children, the truth of God is meant to be received, to transform us, and then it is to be passed on to someone else who will then pass it on to someone else. So dads, we are training our sons and daughters to be dads and moms. You with me? Do you see that picture, that chain? Living as men in, in God's grace is being the mentor, being willing to be God's mentor in our family. All right, as we move on to verse three and four, verse three, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So Paul is writing this from a prison cell himself and most likely thinking to himself that death is imminent. So Paul here, the first part of this share in the suffering, Paul's not suggesting that Timothy might have to suffer. He is going to suffer. It's expected. So soldiers know when they sign up, when they uh, get into it, that they're signing up um, for not just as Christ followers. We know that we will face those trials. So soldiers sign up for that battle. We sign up as Christ followers knowing that we're going to face trials. James 1, 2 through 4, consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. 
So the second part of that is as good soldier of Christ Jesus. So why do you think Paul put good in front of soldier? Because aren't we all called to be soldiers of Christ? Well, good is, is brave and courageous. So we're called to be, and expected to be above and beyond. So regular soldiers um, only need sufficient temptations and they get off track. They can become cowardly, idle, useless, worthless. But no good soldier ever gave up simply because of a hardship. Um, adapt and overcome. That's a military slogan there. We must give up anything that gets in the way of being a good soldier. And there's good and bad. The bad, as I stand up here with these men, we can all agree, pride, independence, self-will, those are some bad things that we need to give up. There's good things, too. Home and family. You know, soldiers, sometimes they get orders to deploy. And they got to go for a period of time, six months or beyond, away from their family. Um, I was in the military for three years. My father and my grandfather before me all served in the United States Army. And um, when I was getting out of the military, I had gotten an opportunity to um, get some rank and get some extra pay and, and go a little bit further. And it would mean that my first year of, of marriage, I'd just gotten married six months earlier, would be a year away from my new bride. And that was an easy decision for me. Um, got out of the military and, and started my family. So we can relate to that with uh, even leaving on mission trips. Uh, we're called by Christ Jesus to go be disciples, not just here, but around the world. So we do that. So, and then that word soldier, it means on active duty. We're always present. Soldiers are U.S. Army personnel responsible for, for protecting and defending the United States. They serve in times of peace and when the country's at war. Um, back in the Roman times, the legionary was a professional foot soldier. They served 16 to 25 years, mandatory. Marched up to 20 miles a day. Carried over 40, 45 to 60 pounds. Built infrastructure, police provinces. They were not permitted to marry until they retired. And most didn't make it to retirement. Okay, life expectancy was about 41 years of age. So the, the other flip side of that is they wanted to serve. It was an honor and a privilege to be able to serve. So at first it was just the wealthy that were called to do it, and then it was more open to, to all um, citizens, free citizens. So we're called to always be alert, on call, prepared for battle, disciplined and trained. And we have the instructions to do that, don't we? The Bible, the Holy Spirit in us. So that sharing the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse 4 says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the recruiter. Most everyone here has probably heard the TV commercial for the Army, Be All That You Can Be. Okay? There's... Um, a website out there that still has that slogan on it. And if you look at it, in big bold it says, enlistment bonuses, education, pay, skills and training, health care, all those things, those great things. 
And this seems like it's about you when you want to join or looking to join. But really, if you think about it, it's the army taking care of those basic needs for you so you can focus on the mission. So the mission of the army exists to serve the American people, defend the nation, protect the vital national interests, and fulfill national military responsibilities. And soldiers can focus on that when they feel that they have their basic needs met. God provides all of these basic needs for us as well so we can focus on his mission. That's building, making disciples. Luke 21, 34 says, Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down and depressed with the giddiness of debauchery and nausea of self-indulgence and the worldly worries of life. And then that day, when the Messiah returns, we will not come on will not come on you suddenly like a trap. As Christ believers and going through the Revelations class, we know that, that we'll have some uh, things letting us know when that day comes. So praise the Lord for that. Another, another thing to point out was um, Paul's writing this to Timothy, but Paul wasn't married, right? He was celibate. He knew how difficult it would be to please a wife while also pre- pleasing God. And if Paul wasn't chained to a soldier, he was definitely around them enough to see how they obeyed their commanding officers. Paul knew that this is how Christians must act towards their Lord. Paul's telling Timothy to please him who has called you to be a soldier. Um, My parents divorced when I was seven. A few years later, my mom was in a new relationship but the man that she chose was an alcoholic. A bad combination with two boys, one of them who was a smart aleck. They had an opportunity to adopt my little brother, but that meant getting married and making some changes. My mom told this man, we're done unless you change. He needed to be able to put us first. This man made that decision, married my mom, adopted my little brother, and became our dad. It wasn't always smooth, especially raising teenage boys that wanted to rebel. But his desire, his desires to change, um, was because of family. That was his reason. That was his desire. My dad passed away in 2019, but my kid's memory will always be of a loving, caring man who picked them up from school with candy in hand, a blanket to keep them warm, and some history to entertain them. To them, he was simply known as Papa, and to me and my brothers, he was Dad. We must have a single-minded desire to please our Father. This means denying self. We have to deny ourselves. So in verse 5, it talks about also, if anyone competes as an athlete, contending for the prize... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Uh, as a kid, I was able to, to play baseball and run a little track, and because of my experience, I wanted my boys to have that same experience. And one of the things that I uh, told them was, listen, if you want to sign up to play ball or uh, any other sport, I'm good with that, but you just have to finish that season. And if you don't want to play again, I'm okay with that. 
Um, as a dad, I had four boys, and I spent 19 consecutive years in the local Little League uh, coaching and teaching my boys and some of their teammates. And then another six years, once they got into high school, uh, I was there with them as a, a coach, a dad, uh, just a mentor to them and their teammates. Um, looking back, I can see where as a coach, a dad, and a mentor, I kind of misled my boys uh, in, in some areas. In, in football, holding another player is a penalty. But I told my boys, and Stephen can attest to this, and where's Michael at? Uh, I, I told them, it's only a penalty if the referee catches you. <laughs> uh, and any sports fan here knows that the referee sees you holding or blocking incorrectly, your team will get a penalty for not following the rules. And, and I'll just be real with you guys. Uh, I would have to say that I've been guilty in my Christian walk of, of thinking that if one of you don't see me doing something wrong, then I've gotten away with it. But the simple truth is, God sees everything, and we have to hold on to that. Um, as an athlete, it is very easy to point the blame to the coach, the dad, or the mentor for the mistakes that we make. And in result, there is no substitute for not knowing the rules for the game that you're in. Um, and I know that, and I know that I'm guilty of that when I point a finger and say, "Well, they told me that in my Christian walk, I can say that that well, I was listening to so and so, or as you guys, I was listening to Andy and Kurt and John, and they said this or that. Uh, so it, they, I'm just doing what they told me, and we have to to rethink that. We we definitely need a good spiritual mentor sometimes uh, come along walking beside us uh, and guiding us through our journey with God. But it is ultimately, ultimately the rule maker, and I need to know what rule book his word says in this game of life. I have to learn how to expect responsi accept responsibility from my own self and quit pointing the finger at that mentor or at that pastor or at somebody else. Um, I have to accept that responsibility. I have to learn how to feed my spiritual soul uh, just the way I feed my, my human body. Uh, I'm a type 2 diabetic. And for me, uh, there's times through the day that I get shaky and I, I need something because my blood sugar subsides. And if I don't do that, uh, I'm really damaging myself. And so it's, it's really important that 
day to day, I have to live my spiritual life just the way I live my physical life. Uh, and when, when Satan is attacking me, I have to learn to run to the Father. I have to learn to run back to what the rule book says and how to overcome. Um, so I let that sink in a little bit, guys. Um, we have to be very intentional in how we live our lives. For me, I want to be very intentional in how I live my life as a man, as a husband, and as a father. Uh, as I've studied for today's message, God has convicted me in this area of my life. I don't want to be the reason for someone else stumbling in their own walk with Jesus because they see me doing something or, and I shouldn't be doing spiritually. Personally, I want my wife and my kids to see the same man at home as they see me here at church. And the same thing with you guys. I would hate to be a stumbling block to you if you saw me outside of these walls and you saw me doing something that I preached about earlier or taught about in a Sunday school class and you would see two separate people. And God has convicted me heavily for a very long time that I have to be who he has made me to be no matter where I am. So I want to be grace strong, and I want you to be grace strong, um, who accepts the grace God gives us with uh, all of our imperfections, and I want us to be men who extend grace to our friends and our family in the journey we're on. One of the things I used to tell my boys uh, is the way you practice is the way you will play. Uh, you guys can remember that, that if, if you only practice halfway, if you only come to church and get that intake uh, on, on Sundays, and maybe at midweek, uh, you're not going to play uh, the life that God has intended you to play very well because you're going to be malnourished. Uh, I got a couple questions for you guys. Whose rule book are you following? Uh, are you sitting on the bench as a spectator, or are you in the game being a contender with Jesus as your coach? So the last picture that he gives us is found in verse 6 and 7. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. And then he says, Timothy, dads, men, church today, consider what I say. God will give you understanding in everything. God will help you understand this principle, grace strong, and apply it to your life. Can we be these things, men, in our families and in, our, in their lives? Okay, you're not sure. Well, that's okay. So let me, let me fill in the, the, the silence there. This is what grace looks like lived out as a father, as a husband, as a man of God. Be strong in God's grace. Lean into God's grace. Be, did you talk about instructions? Did you just talk about instructions? I didn't. Did you? No. So we were talking about that. This word grace means to, to receive. 
How many men have been in that place where I don't need no stinking instructions or I don't need the manual? I don't need the manual. I, okay, yeah, see? Because we don't need it, right? We're, we just run, we're gonna be a soldier, we're gonna be a mentor, we're gonna be an athlete, we're gonna be a farmer, and we're gonna figure it out and we're gonna do it. And you know how that ends, right? Unless we are leaning into God's grace. Guys, he says, be strong in the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. And you can be, you will be a mentor. You will engage your family with the process of discipleship. You will be not just a soldier, but a, a good soldier. Does that scare anybody? That scares me. And you will be an athlete. There's a reason why these guys, he got soldier because I'm not a soldier. He got athlete because he's an athlete. I'm not that either. I'm the farmer. We can be a farmer. And I, I have been a farmer. My dad forced labor on his kids growing up, and we had one acre, and we had a giant garden, and when I say giant, like a half an acre of potatoes and corn and just about everything you can imagine, and we, he oversaw us, but we had to do it all. My brother and I had to do all of it, and I'm telling you, it's not easy being a farmer, and I often wanted to quit, but in the strength that God gives us by his grace, we can be a mentor, we can be a good soldier, we can be an athlete who competes according to the rules, and we can be a hard-working farmer. The hard-working farmer, which, here, let me encourage us all this morning, the word hard-working means totally exhausted. Dads, anybody, you know? Exhausted from toil. You're working, work, you're getting up every day, you're going to work, and you're exhausted. But you keep doing it. That's the hardworking farmer. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Paul reminds Timothy that there is a partnership between the farmer and God. The, the word farmer, you know what the word farmer means? It means to till the soil. It means to prepare the soil. Dads, what's our job? To prepare the soil of our children's heart by the things that you've heard all three of us already talk about. The mentor relationship, the soldier, the protection, the being present in the times of danger, the athlete that doesn't mislead their kids with you know, bad instructions. I've done it too. The, 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 the coach, the athlete that exhibits through their kids the truth and how to live that truth, to be the same man all the time. And then the farmer who just keeps working. And not just in seasons of growth, but the idea of a hardworking farmer, and the reason they're exhausted is because it's 365 days a year. You don't get a vacation from being a hardworking farmer. Dads, we don't get a vacation from tilling the soil of our children's lives. We don't. We need to be hardworking farmers in the springtime when the crops are coming up and there's growth and you can see the growth. But what about the seasons, and maybe you know what I'm talking about, when you look at your kids and you don't see any growth? And I won't put years on that season, but all, all of you are thinking a certain number of you, a certain age, right? What about when there's just nothing going on? Or what about it looks like it's just hard soil? Or what about the seasons where there's no rain? Or there's other kinds of weather things. It's every season we're faithful to till, to prepare the soil for the partnership that God is going to exercise with us. 
Who brings life? Me? No, it's God, right? I'm, I'm not excused from being a hardworking farmer. He says, you need to be an, a hardworking farmer. You need to be faithful in season and out of season, all seasons, preparing the soil of our children's, our wife, our, our own heart, so that it's ready to receive. Remember the parable, the seeds, that our hearts are ready to receive what God wants to do, the fruit that he wants to produce in us and in our kids and in in the people that we interact with. But always keeping in mind that it is a partnership with God. And finding, finding strength in that, guys. And if you're a young man and you're not, even if you're a younger man and you're thinking about, man, I'm never getting married, I'm never having kids, don't forget what we talked about this morning and this particular piece of it, that this is a partnership. Being a man of God, living grace strong is a partnership with God. It's a partnership with God allowing him, doing our part and allowing him to do, to do his part. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And if you're not encouraged by that, let me encourage you with this. The exhausting work of a farmer never ends. I know. I speak of, a, of, well, all of us are fathers of adult children. And being a, being a dad, being a father never ends. It doesn't end when they turn 18. That's what society says, and they legal or, legally are responsible. It never ends being a father who is grace strong. So for the rest of the time that we have breath on this earth, we need to be those mentors for our family. And we need to be that soldier that's stepping into the, into, the, into the war zone, into the fray with our kids. And we need to be the athlete that is modeling what it means to be a man of integrity and speaking and living truth. And we can never stop tilling the hearts, preparing the hearts of our kids with our life and with our words. Because it's exhausting and it never ends but we're in a partnership with God. And don't miss that the farmer ought to receive the first part of the harvest. Now, this is not a financial phrase that, woohoo, I get paid. It's the one first in line celebrating the harvest. The hardworking farmer, the dad, should be the one first in line to celebrate the fruit that God produces in those that he serves, his kids. We should be the first one there to go, good job, way to go and encouraging them, and acknowledging that the harvest is the partnership between us and God. Don't take credit for it, but celebrate it. That make sense? We, um, We were thinking about what it means to be a dad, and the idea that you drop it you know sometimes being a dad is like um, juggling now before you get excited and you think we learned how to juggle we didn't okay. <laughs> that's why they're bouncing if you if you look at my uh, Amazon wish list there's juggling balls on my wish list been there for like three months I never pulled the trigger to do it I was afraid that I would fail <laughs> so I didn't do it <laughs> But being a dad is kind of like, you know, juggling. And if you, if you imagine that your daily life is trying to keep all those balls in the air, right, moving, um, 
don't respond out loud, but just to yourself, think, what would I put on those balls? What would I write? You know, Andy, you talked about diabetes. Maybe health. I'm trying to manage my health and eat right. Um, my marriage. Maybe one of the balls would have marriage on it or kids. Um, I wear these bracelets. These are the eye colors of my five kids, and I pray for them every day. That's my way of just having something to, you know, that's what I'm juggling, praying faithfully for my, my kids and living out these examples that these pictures we're talking about. Job, maybe you put your job on here. Maybe you put your fear, stress, worry is on here. Um, the economy, you know, and then stuff, right? One of them might just be all the stuff that I collected, what's in my garage. And there's a lot of them. And the reality is we're all juggling these balls. And a lot of them, if we do, that is really irritating, but they're doing it on purpose. But <laughs> Distracting is a better word, not irritating. Sometimes some of these balls, my health, you know, sometimes I drop it. And what happens? You see what happens? It bounces back, and I, whoa, and I get, a, I get another chance, right? I get another chance. I can change my diet. I can change my exercise. And there's some that we get that. And, but then there's some balls, and I think the challenge that we talked about, that we threw out this morning, is identifying those balls that, you know, some will bounce back, and I get a second chance. Some, though, when I do it, They don't bounce back, right? I don't, get a, I don't get a second chance. Oh, I got a second chance. Thank you. Some don't bounce back. And, and I, as I look at these four examples, I want to identify the balls that, that God's asked me to manage and to juggle. And I don't want to drop any of them, but there's some, and I'll just tell you mine, and maybe you guys have one too, is you know my family, my kids. You know, being at the age I'm at now and looking back, you know, and some of the times when I did drop the ball. And grace strong means God doesn't give up on us and he Amen. works with us. Amen. And he speaks into us and he picks us back up. But there's damage done sometimes that I can't undo when I drop certain balls. And, and guys, we can juggle the balls. Unlike me, you can learn to juggle the balls that God's placed into your hands. But identify the ones that need to be given priority. If I lose my job, God, and I'm not saying lose it on purpose, but you tracking with me? If I'm worried about that, and, but I'm going to lose my job if I don't meet those expectations, you know, he's got another job for me. He's going to provide for me. But I can't sacrifice my kids or my marriage or my spiritual life that Andy talked about. You tracking with us? So we want to we give you a reminder And deacons, I promise to clean that up, just for the record. They're all Michaels glaring at me and others. We got some help. Come on and up, And what we would like to do is, men, if you would, would stand. Come on. Come and down. if you're a father or not, Come if down. you're a man, would you stand? Because likely you're a spiritual father. And if you're not married yet and you're not a father, a as a young man, we want you to stand too. Stay. Because we want you to have a reminder that God is asking Come us to hold more. tight what matters most. Hold tight what matters most.
<laughs> Come on, Ethley. Let's see some. I wind up hitting somebody in the head. All right, gentlemen, everybody's got one? Who are we missing? One over here? Dennis? Dennis needs one. Where's where's Dennis? Oh, he's it. That's right. He's a camp. Mark needs one. Nice catch, Micah. It hit hit Brooke in the head. Mark, do you have one? Mark's got one. Okay, look and look and see what it what it's what it's on, or what it says. Was that for my dad? Yeah. Okay. He's old. If somebody would get it for him, I gave, he's I a gave farmer, the son. Right? He's going to break a hip if he leaves. I the gave room. him the son because he gave him the he gave him the son. So look at those balls. Those are planets. Those are worlds, right? Planet on them. Who holds Who holds the world in his hand? God does. So he's got you guys. He's got us. I want one too. He's got us. Okay. Hold tight what really matters. Hold tight to what matters most. All right. Be seated, guys, and let me wrap up with these questions. These are on the notes. If you grabbed a copy of notes, um, they're on there. But if you don't, I encourage you to write these down. Okay, gentlemen, boys, stop throwing the balls around. Pay attention. It was a bad idea, I know. But just for a second, consider this. How can I, as a dad, how can I, and you have to answer this in your circumstances as I do, how can I engage my family in discipleship? Guys, the the grace of God enables us to mentor our family, to be disciple makers at home. What does that look like? What does it look like for me to lead in that, to convey to my kids this value of the mission that we talked about? How can you protect your family from the enemies? Do you know what the enemies to your fam- who the enemy to your family is? Do you know how he's going to come into your home? Because he is going to try to come into your home. There's this big, flat, amazing, beautiful thing on the wall that's awesome to watch sports on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Amen, amen. But how's he going to come into my, my family's life? And am I willing, as John challenged us, to be in the, in the trenches, to, to take the enemy's fire. What does that look like for you and me? Guys, how do we protect our family from enemies? Number three, how can you model integrity to your family? You know, my takeaway from Andy, and, and I've known this about him for a long time, is the willingness that I so appreciate about you, the willingness to own mistakes and say, I was wrong, and here's what I should have said, and here's how I'm gonna live my life. Would you confirm that boys you're not boys but sons how do I model the integrity this idea of being the same man wherever you go and I've learned recently you're never alone there's always somebody watching you wherever story you're at wherever you're eating food whatever there's somebody watching and that's certainly true at home so how do we model integrity to our family and then finally how can you cultivate the heart soil of your family let me challenge us as men. Are we even intentionally doing that? Are, are we aware of the condition of our kids and our wife, their hearts? Are they heavy? Are they discouraged? Are they confused? Are they joyful? What is happening? What is the condition of your wife's heart, husbands? And what's the condition of your teenager or your five-year-old's heart? You say, well, how do I know that? You know the answer to that, right? Right? We need to engage them. We need to live life with them. We need to be present. We need to ask questions. We need to be good listeners. 
how can I cultivate the heart soil of my family? Am I aware of their condition? Do I know what they need? And am I intentionally engaging them? All four of these questions, as a mentor, as a soldier, as an athlete, and as a farmer. Can we do it? We can. Notice what's in your hand. How many balls are in your hand? There's one. There's one. There's one. And it says, hold on, hold tight to what matters most. Hold tight to what really matters. I, we acknowledge that we all got a bunch of balls that we're having to juggle. But there's one that matters. And that's living as men grace strong. Amen. Amen? Amen? We're of one heart and mind about that. John, would you prepare us to respond?